Thanks for joining the podcast with Tamara Gondor. Conversations with everyday innovators that reject status quo, think differently, and make a positive difference in their world. Listen in so you can ignite innovation, influence others, and make an impact too. And now your host, CrossFit addict, knee-high sock lover, and according to her kids, average cook, Tamara Gondor. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show with Tamara Gondor. That is me. I'm so excited for today. So part of the reason I'm excited for today is not just because I have great everyday innovators on. I feel like we do that every time. Just we meet the most amazing people in our work. But today we have two on together. And I love these conversations because I think it also shows not just how we innovate, how we make an impact and drive change, but how we interact and engage with each other. So you'll see some similarities, you'll see some differences, you'll see how they connect, um, how they come together. So I think it's a great opportunity for us to see innovation in action, not just in a solo world, because that's never how anything gets done anyway, but kind of in the team world that we all live in. So let me tell you a little bit about my guests, Everyday Innovator Styles, and then we will dig in from there. So Amelia is a tweaker risk taker. So that means that the magic in her combination is she brings optimized, bold innovation to the table. It's all about iterating and adjusting, about being bold, about innovating and getting uncomfortable. So what an interesting combination, right? You can leap, innovate in the uncomfortable, and then iterate until you figure it out. Her style reminds me of that old commercial, and I wish I could remember who put it out, where it's a bunch of people building the plane as it's flying and figuring it out as it's in the air. That's what that combination is. And Sabina is an instinctual collaborative. So the magic in that combination is bringing connective and a full innovation to the table. So the connective is all about playing disparate people, I'm sorry, about um, going from A to B to X to Y, back over to A. It's like seeing how all the dots connect. And the brilliance of that is people like Sabina can take the information, but find the insights out of it. And that's what helps our decision-making and helps us move forward. And then the collaborative side is pulling those disparate people and ideas and experiences together to put the pieces of the puzzle together. And I think what's super cool about that combination is there's a lot of connecting of dots in ways that the rest of us miss. And how important is that? So Amelia and Sabina, welcome to the show. Tell the world who you are and what you do. I'm Amelia Danzica. I'm the founder of Growth Molecules and co-author of Pressing On as a Tech Mom. I live in Sonoma County. I've been in in Silicon Valley working in technology for over 20 years as a project manager and then moved into customer success in its infancy. And then four years ago, I left the corporate world and started a consulting firm and worked for a few other consultants and two year, nearly two years ago decided, you know what, I'm ready to start something new and have it be done in a vision and a way that gets me really excited. And there's this great quote by Phoebe Waller-Bridge that, that she says, act as if, if someone just said, there's no reason to be afraid. And that is what really prompted me to go forward with this. And uh, the company just grew so quickly. I knew I didn't want to do it alone. As you said earlier, Tamara, it's so much better to do it with people and in a community. And so I'll let Sabina tell you about herself, but that's when we decided to collaborate. And now we we 
work and collaborate together uh, on these two companies, Growth Molecules and Pressing On. And thank you for having us, Tamara. I'm Sabina Pons. I am based in Southern California. I have been in the tech space for most of my career, where I am currently a um, leader at Growth Molecules alongside Amelia as an operating partner. I'm also a principal consultant and co-author of Pressing On as a Tech Mom. I met Amelia about five years ago when she came as, as a consultant to our organization when I was a global vice president at a B2B tech company. And she educated my team and taught me also about what it means to be a powerful rock house mom um, in technology and asked her if she'd mentor me. And so we continued the relationship with the conversation well outside of the scope of that current statement of work. And I was so grateful that she did because it led to a, a lasting friendship and now a business relationship and one where we have partnered very closely um, for the last two years almost now um, on writing a book, making it to the point of getting it published across the line and still having a day job. And we still like each other. So I'm really excited about that, obviously, and really happy to be here today. Thank you for having us. Yeah, I think writing a book, by the way, is really taxing on relationships, whether you're writing solo or partner. So kudos to both of you. Hey, I want to ask you before I kind of dig into my other questions. Um, what does it mean? And I, I mean, I'm not going to say it exactly right because I was kind of listening to everything you were saying, but about being like a you know a rock star tech mom or kick butt tech mom, however you said it. I, I'm curious what that means. Whether you're it's a tech mom or business mom or entrepreneur mom or like how do you guys see those two coming together? As a business mom, right? Regardless to your point of what hat that is, where perhaps you reside in, in an organization as a, you know perhaps the accountant or the executive or the entry level person. What it means to us is when we think about the fact that 20 million women have left the workforce alone, right, during 2020 and, and still continuing to see a lot of that, it's hard to be able to do the two jobs. And it's typically only very few that have only two jobs that they're doing, right? You're doing the, we're running the job of typically of mother, of employee, of, you know, sister, perhaps wife or significant other. There's a lot that goes on there. And so to be able to do it, people think that, you know, say, oh, well, I can't be everything to everybody. When you have the right support system and you have the right um, mindset, right? Like Amelia said, not being afraid to be bold. It's scary. It doesn't mean that you don't have those feelings, but it's what we do with it that matters. And so to be a rock star mom, you know, kick butt mom, to me, what that means is that you're you're facing fear, you're facing the realities of the stresses that come with that, and you're leaning against one another and your your allies and your network of people to overcome those challenges and to be the voice in the boardroom to be the one who helps diversity and inclusion when we're often marginalized. It's getting better, but it's not where it needs to be yet. You know, it's, um, I like how you said that we lean on each other. Cause I think sometimes we think to be that rock star, you have to do it all alone. And um, I've tried that path and it turns out that doesn't, it's just exhausting. It's exhausting. It's not possible. It's not yeah. possible. Yeah. And I felt like a failure in most of the things I did because I needed the help to do any of them well, but I wasn't getting any help in any of them. Cause I thought that it meant doing it alone. Um, so it's such a challenging balance, isn't it? Mm -hmm. and, and honestly, the way that I think that we we find that help because people say, you know, where do you get that help? Is it what if I can't afford to get help? And they think in the sense of a nanny or something. It doesn't need to be like that. It's when women support women and realize that there's room for all of us. That's when you have to seek things like a mentor and a sponsor and asking that question. It feels like you're asking somebody out on a date. You know, will you mentor me? It was really embarrassing. It's really uncomfortable. And, and knowing also to, to have the courage to ask that question, knowing what that role looks like and what they can contribute to you, why it's important. And then what the difference is between a mentor and a sponsor. Did you want to, did you have something you un, 
muted yourself. So I want to make sure I'm not missing you. Oh, no, I, I was going to add something earlier, but I will now, I guess. I think it's important to not be afraid to ask for help and know that you aren't always going to know everything. And actually, I think it's good if you're not the smartest person in the room. I love surrounding myself with people that challenge me and my ideas every day. It helps me grow. It keeps me grounded. And I think it's inspiring to be around people who have maybe different views, different passions, but they continuously challenge you in a respectful way. And that's what's really important. You know, I've found in my life that it's the people with the most confident that are actually the most willing to say, I don't know. And it's the people with the least confident that have to feel like they know the answers all the time. Um, What is something that you are proud of or or a big win? Sabina, you go first this time. (laughs) Honestly, for me, it's going back to the motherhood component here. I think my children, I have two of them, a a five-year-old daughter and an eight-year-old son. And with both of them, I struggled a lot with postpartum depression and anxiety. And we know it's three to four times more likely for a woman to have those characteristics beyond what they call like the baby blues beyond the first three to four weeks. If you have previously diagnosed instability as it relates to um, the serotonin levels and everything in, in one's brain, you AKA diagnosed previously with depression as I was. And so even with that knowledge, even with a, a supportive husband and mother in a, an environment where I can freely talk about those things, um, where I'm fortunate to have access to, to mental health care it was still, excuse my language, it was still a bitch. It was really hard. It was really scary. You know, you feel like your mind's playing tricks on you. And um, it was a challenge. And I set a date for myself. I was going back to work and I wanted to have, I had this vision of, of what that looked like. I was going to have lost the baby weight. I was going to be mentally balanced. I was going to come back to my team and with this refreshed, you know, mindset on everything. And it wasn't all that pretty. You know, there was a few times where I was running to the bathroom to cry, or as I was pumping in the, you know, pumping room that I had to negotiate to get, I was, I was just filled with emotion and not the kind that you, you want to, to be able to, you know, do the releasing of the milk and all the things. And so I think for me, like not only doing that and just showing up, but being authentic with people as it was appropriate to do so at certain times, but also kicking ass at work. Like I, I think I leveraged work to, to start to feel human again. I think I I kind of just focus on the task at hand. And I noticed I felt better when I had the focus. And as a result, not long after I actually got promoted and my team performed better than they had before and all of that. And so I think to be able to do that was really, I had to dig deep and it was really humbling. And I'll never forget it. Like for instance, when I'm working out, you know, jogging up a hill, my calves are burning. And I'm like, you know what? This is nothing because the, the depths of my soul of what felt like hell that I went through to fight for my literal life was nothing compared to this. And so I know I'm strong and I can do anything. Do you think that part of that success that came out of that experience was being vulnerable with other people about the situation? I, I think all too often, I mean, so I'm a, I'm 49 or I'm like squarely in the Gen X and, you know, we were, I'd say I, I moved up the ranks in the workplace when you didn't share your weakness or your personal shit, right? Like that didn't come to work with you. We're in a very different time now. Um, and I think that vulnerability is something that we really missed out on that is actually really healthy and really important for success in your life and with the people that you work with, because I think it allows them to take a deep breath as well. Yeah, I, I would agree. I'm I'm not far behind you in age, and I definitely was brought up and keep your emotions to yourself, you know, 
don't air anything. You show up, you do your job and you're very focused on that and nothing else is in the way because you risk getting a promotion. Right. And so I think that's absolutely true. And the thing I'll say I'm most proud of is I went back and got my MBA as an older student. I was 37, went for the interviews, got the letters of recommendations and uh, went and applied. And I got in and I announced it to my husband and it's kind of scary. You have two young kids at home and our son had recently moved back in with us. And I was leading a global team in tech in, in, in downtown San Francisco and traveling a ton. And this MBA program I did at St. Mary's required that I flew to Thailand and India to do my thesis for two weeks. And then in the fall again to New Zealand to finish it. And he panicked. He's like, how are we going to do this? We're both working, we both travel, and we have three kids at home. Regardless of age, they need you more when they get older, we have learned. Uh, I think me surviving those 12 intense months of working all day, my boss saying, don't tell anyone you're getting an MBA, we're not supporting this, you have to do this at night and on the weekends. Uh, and then even when I went, and I'll never forget, I was in China for a couple days, we did something there as well. And he emailed me and kept badgering me, even though my out of office was on, I had to take vacation days to go do that trip. So those kind of things, why I'm most proud of that is because I did it one as an older mother, and two, when even my own company was against me. And honestly, that was one of the reasons why I left and, and decided to launch my own company. So it was a blessing in disguise. <laughs> Let me ask you a question about that. So I hear both of you, right? And I hear these stories and I think, wow, you ladies are A players, right? Like you do your best at everything you do, right? You lean into the crap, the hard stuff. Um, you're successful. And, you know, Amelia, in the story you just shared, yet here you are with all these other major pressures and priorities um, and successful, right? You're doing them all successfully. When your company comes to you and says, well, we're not supporting this, what was your motivation for continuing on? Because I could see a lot of people at that point and kind of rightfully so going, all right, the universe is telling me that maybe this is not such a good idea. So why push on? Because I was never invited to the boardroom. I always had to submit the board slides, but never able to speak for myself. And I watched the head of sales go in, the head of product the head of education, but never me. And I was sick and tired of that story. So I said, you know what, I'm going to go get a degree where I can speak all the financial jargon that you think I can't speak. And I'm going to use that and go show the world that one, a woman can do it when they're older, go back to school. And it was not easy. I, like, I'm sure I got the lowest score on my first few papers and presentations. But uh, I just wanted to be able to speak that financial jargon. So when I go in a boardroom, no one can cut me off or put me at the end of the presentation. I have a voice in the room and I want to be able to speak it loudly and do it with numbers. So that's why I just pressed on, even though uh, I had to keep it quiet, even from my team. I watched on an all hands on a Friday him announced that this guy they had invested in to go get another engineering degree of sorts. And I couldn't speak about my MBA. It was, it, it didn't matter. 
So that's what really motivated me to just keep going. So I just want to take a moment. Thank you both for those stories. I think they're both really powerful stories of pushing through whatever that brick wall looks like, right? Different kind of for all of us. Um, and just as a reminder to all of us that just because people are telling you no, or there are things happening that are really hard to deal with, like postpartum, that there is something on the other side if we keep if we keep pushing through. Um, and it's it's one of those things where I think those of us who've gotten to the other side are like, no, I swear it's great over here, like or better anyway. Like, come on, keep going. And it's just we need that reminder sometimes when we're in the thick of it, and then new brick walls show up. But um, what have you done? Or what are some stories or examples of something innovative or you've had to think differently or kind of challenge how things are done to either move yourself or your business forward? Why don't you take this one, Amelia? It sounds really aptly suited for the things you've been doing last few years of life. Well, I, I was I will say I did not do this alone. Sabina gets credit here in this story. And that is really taking our company when we weren't really sure where is this going to go? It seems to be growing. It seems to be doing well, but are we ready to invest more money and more time in things that we're not really sure will pan out? And what we've done, and Sabina, you've helped do this as well with, for example, our marketing efforts. This is the first year we're we're going to market. Uh, And, you know, we're almost finishing up year two of our business And Sabina said, look, I know we can't hire a full-time marketer. Why don't we hire someone to help us just 20 hours a week? And the impact he's making on our organization, it's very evident. And it's so exciting and rewarding to do that. And so that's just one example. We've gone and hired a couple full-time people in El Salvador, for example, uh, investing in them and teaching them what it is we're doing. And so we're thinking outside the box of ways where one, we can empower and we can enable people with different backgrounds and different skill sets to help us because we don't have the time or the skills so that we can be better. The second is Sabina and I hired an executive coach and we've invested for 18 months for us to do it together and we had to apply. It's it's Bolster Prime. We applied and basically they've given us all these resources or investing in us so that we can help take our company to the next level. And I'm proud of that because a lot of founders when go seek that kind of help. Wouldn't say I don't know everything, but I really want to take this to the next level. I believe we have something that's special and we're worth that one hour a week where her and I can banter a little bit over ideas. And at the end of the day, just like last week's session was so powerful. I just said, Sabina, thank you for holding me accountable for doing my homework for this session. It paid off. And so those kind of things, I believe, are out of the box, investing in ourselves and investing in ways to get talent we need, but that we may not be able to hire full time yet. <laughs> I feel like the where there's a will, there's a way. I know that's so cliche, but I do think it's true. And it doesn't always show up the way you expect it to. Um, and I also think, you know, if I were to look back at all the interviews I've done and ask people the keys to their success, I'd say more often than not, part of that answer is I got a coach, uh, a mentor, uh, someone who's already done what I'm trying to do that's helping me get to the next level. Like, I think that is just part of success because you just don't know what you, what you don't know yet. 
And we're, I think, in many ways, we're our own worst bottlenecks. You're listening to Conversations with Everyday Innovators on With Tamara Gondor Podcast. Let's take a moment to thank our generous partners that make this possible. I want to take a moment to talk about my friends at Howdy Puppy. Dogs experience all the same problems as humans when it comes to joint pain, anxiety, digestion, and arthritis. A great way to help our four-legged family members with these ailments is with CBD-infused pet treats. Who doesn't like treats? As you longtime listeners know, my Mastiff, Zoe, is part of my family, but is getting older and has some anxiety issues when strangers come around. Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats has totally changed her disposition, and I know she feels like her young, energetic, confident self when she gets Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats. There are many CBD-infused dog treats on the market, but the truth is that many of them are overpriced and ineffective. We've looked at dozens of CBD dog treats and found most of them disappointing. Howdy Puppy is among the best brands in the CBD pet business. They deliver consistent quality, and their treats look and taste amazing, according to our dogs, of course. The company makes CBD dog treats in three flavors, steak, bacon, and cheese rolls. All of Howdy Puppy's CBD treats contain natural ingredients, including high-quality full-spectrum hemp oil, all sourced and made in the USA. Full disclosure, I'm an investor in Howdy Puppy. But before I put my name on the company, I had an independent lab in Denver, Colorado, verify the quality and consistency of their treats. They are truly as advertised. Go online today at howdypuppy.com, link will also be in the show notes, and use promo code TAMARA, T-A-M-A-R-A, that's me, to get 20% off the absolute best CBD dog treats on the market. You will not be disappointed. Howdypuppy.com, promo code TAMARA. Don't let them suffer needlessly. Let them enjoy life too. I have a little bit of a different question for you both. This just kind of came to my mind as I I heard both of you talking and kind of the the way you banter off each other. I'm curious now that you've come together as a team, it's been a little while now, but now that you're kind of together, what have you learned about yourself in working with the other person who's obviously like you've got some shared values and that's really powerful, but you're also very different. So yeah, what have you learned about yourself and working with each other? That's a fantastic question. And the analogy I always like to think of is a Venn diagram. So you'll see our growth molecules logo for those who are listening in are, are three circles where they overlap in the middle. Sometimes a Venn diagram is just the two. Uh, for the purposes of this analogy, I'm going to go with the two. And I think that to your point that those overlaps of the circles are shared values. There are shared drive, desire for success. Um, that's coming from a place of just innate competitiveness. And it's not to it's not to be better than someone else. It's because we want to challenge what our best can be. Right. So that we share that absolutely. And again, the morals and values are crucial. I think about uh, where we stand in terms of enabling others uh, of all creeds of life, right? Making sure that we have the same sense of uh, financial accountability and responsibility. That's huge. And ultimately, just believing in the good of humanity, first and foremost, right? Like you have my trust until you prove me otherwise, kind of a mindset. Um, that being said, I think our differences are strong and complementary. And what I've learned about myself through this time working with Amelia and I've known Amelia really is the environments in which I thrive. And I used to think, gosh, like in my adolescence and even early twenties, I used to think I'm not really good at anything. 
I'm, I'm okay at a lot of things, but that's okay. Now that I'm older and wiser and, you know, more mature and sophisticated, uh, I would like to think, um, I, I now have the ability to recognize that I can be adaptable and well-rounded and able to cope in different situations like a cat who could throw me in and land on my feet. Like that's a skill and that's okay. And I, I actually now think of that as a, as a value add. And so in my role working with Amelia, I'm reflecting upon myself and like, what do I bring to the relationship? What do I bring to the table? And for me, I think it's, I used to be very, very uptight, very type A, very black and white. Like I'm the oldest of four kids. I was like to a T, I'm very type A. However, parenthood and also my husband, who's like totally opposite of me and really chill and mellow, um, but really parenthood and those, those mental health issues I mentioned, like getting through those is so humbling. And I realize now that there's an element of me that operates really well within gray. And had I not evolved, I wouldn't have been able, I don't think to work in this world where we're a young company and Amelia's got this bright innovation mind. And one of the analogies someone told us recently, which I was like the best compliment I've ever received for the way I interpreted it was it's like, she's like a Steve Jobs. She's like this, this creative visionary. And I'm like the Tim Cook. Like I'm the one who has to like figure out, okay, here's your idea. I was like, well, that one's going to work now, but these other ones, we have a couple of foundational items to put in place first. So I recommend that we consider this one in December, right? And so learning that, learning about how, how I work and my natural thought process for, I like the black and white perimeter with a bunch of gray in the middle. And I'm okay with that. Years ago, I would have said, this scares me. I'm terrified. I need to know exactly what's going to happen. And so I think for myself, I'm learning to love who I am and tap into those strengths even more so as a result of getting to work with Amelia. So two things, Amelia, before you go is, um, I just always say Sabine on yours. One is I used to feel like total lacking because I didn't have that passion to pursue one thing. Like I always envy when I went to Berkeley, I always envied the people who were medical pre-med because it was so clear on what they wanted to do in life. And I was like, I want to try this. I want to try that. I want to be over here. I want to be over there. So I'm much more of that generalist too. I like to play on the surface of a lot of things. Um, And I used to really, I don't know, get down on myself because I wasn't like, I am, I am, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to be. But it turns out that space of innovation ideas is where I wanted to be. I just didn't know it, but I really, I totally feel you on that because I just, I always had this feeling of lacking because I, I couldn't like say, this is my stake in the ground. I'm going so deep in this area and nowhere else, you know? And I always envied those people. Um, I've turned out that they're great and I'm great and you're great. It's just different. The other thing I'll just say real quick on the Steve Jobs, Tim Cook is, I think we have to stop buying into the narrative on the cover of the magazines that show like the one cool founder of whatever it is. There's always a team of people behind him that would, or her, that without those people, it wouldn't happen. And we, we often forget that. And that charismatic leader is important, but so is everybody else. They all have to work together. So I appreciate those two points. Okay. Amelia, what have you learned? Yeah. I, I want to just say though, tomorrow that I hundred percent agree Growth molecules is a team and it's not about one person. So that's very, very much at the forefront. I hope everyone on the team feels that. But I have learned that I stress people out. I have so much energy. I talk way too much, according to my mom and dad. And that's (laughs) absolutely fine. I just have to tame it. So I'm very intentional, especially on Monday mornings. I work out really hard to make sure that I'm calmer the rest of the day because I refuse to give up espresso. It's like one of my most special times of the day is having that quiet time with my coffee. And um, I just 
you know, I have to constantly remind myself that not everyone has this crazy mind and like is constantly go, go, go until they crash. Uh, and that it stresses people out. And Sabina reminds me of that. She will send me a text during a meeting and say, you're stressing me out. And that's the code word of like, calm down. You, we get what you're, where you're going, what you're saying now, let other people speak and I love chill it. out. So I, that's been humbling and wonderful. I think it's good. Like we all have something to work on. That's mine. <laughs> I love both of those. I'll just say my dad recently told me, and I think he mentioned as a compliment, but he said, you know, Tamara, sometimes you're really hard to be around. <laughs> I'm talking about how opinionated I am about things. So it was, it was actually kind of funny, but, but I, I get it. And what I really appreciate about the, what both of you shared is not just the kind of individual stories, which are great, but also that there's a balance and a recognition and a respect of like, Hey, like uh, we all need that friend who's going to say to us, yo, time to, time to bring it down a level or time to dial it up a level, whatever it is. Um, I think that's really important. I want to flip it for a second, ask you, what obstacles have you faced and how have you overcome them? In life or in this working relationship? I'm going to go with both. Either or. Go ahead, Amelia. I'll just say, I think it's insecurity. I don't think until my late 30s, after I think I'd finished having children and like now I could start focusing on myself again, I just one day said, you know what, if you don't believe in yourself now, when are you going to, you're going to miss the boat. And I think, you know, the lean in book had come out and then um, the new CEO, Marissa Meyer of you of um, Yahoo. And I just kept thinking, wow, I'm like these people's ages and I have accomplished nothing compared to them. And that's when I just woke up one day and said, what am I waiting for? Uh, and and that insecurity, I've now channeled it into mentoring, hopefully inspiring, sponsoring, especially other women, but not just women, just people I I truly believe are hungry for growth or a chance at life. I, I think that's what's really helped. And I, I wrote an article about uh, getting over your imposter syndrome, your insecurity for Forbes. It's published. Sabina and I write about it in our book. So I think that's been the number one for me is just overcoming my insecurity and being okay with the fact that I'll never be perfect, not physically, mentally, the way people want me to be. And that's fine. I'm never going to be a perfect mom or partner or um, anything I do. And I'm fine with it. I'm finally fine with my own skin. But wow, it took a long time. (laughs) I love that. If not now well, when, like when, when is anything going to really change to a place where you believe in yourself? Why wouldn't you just do it now? I love that. Sabina, what about for you? For me, it's similar. I would say definitely insecurity, but another one is fear of change, which is really ironic because life is constantly changing. Um, That's the only thing that you can rely on, right? Is change. So as it relates to certain things, I pride myself on having, you know, what we call, I think a strong gut instinct. I, I believe in like, think about, you know, for those, those listening, as, as you're thinking about college or your major, you want to you know apply yourself in or later in life as you think about um, preparing to have a child, there's all the guidebooks, there's all the opinions, there's all the research. You know, you listen to the Academy of, you know, American Academy of Pediatrics. If you're in the US, you listen to, you know, your crazy cousin who has their opinion, like it's just all over the place. And so I think what I've learned is when it comes to decision-making, unless it's obviously, you know, back to the analogy, like never leave your baby in a hot car. Like, obviously that's, that's a black and white answer, but for all these other things, we talk about going about 
back to that gray concept. At the end of the day, you do your homework, you get all the data points that you can. And at the end of the day, it's your gut instinct. It's, it's up to you to use that intuition. And so I think as it relates to change and recognizing that life is full of changes, the uncertainty is a piece that would would seemingly have ankle weights on making me nervous to take that jump. Nervous to, how do you know if it's the right person to say yes to when you, you know they ask you to marry them? How do you know where you should live? Is the right time to have children? What if it impacts my career? Or should I go into this meeting and try to negotiate a seat at the table when I'm talking to my boss? Because I'm one of two women VPs in the whole company. And I'm also having slides that I prepare represented on my behalf. And they're not being properly celebrated for those victories, right? Like all those things, it's like you have to have, that fear is real. I tell my son, my eight-year-old son, you know, it's okay to have emotion. In fact, I want you to feel the things. Let, let yourself feel. It's what you do with those emotions that differentiates you as a person. Plugging your nose and jumping in the deep end sometimes is really what it takes. And it's it's terrifying. You know, I mean, there's there's a life change right now that's at my, my fingertips. I'm trying to figure out, like, what do I do? What do I do? And I'm going back to that. Okay, what is my gut telling me to do? I have all the information. There's no right or wrong answer, but I'm going to just plug my nose and jump in the deep end. And you know what? We're grownups. And if it's not what I thought it would be, then I'll make change happen again. So what I really appreciate about that, too, is... Um, so fear is hardwired into us. We can't be fearless. And I think sometimes we look at people who jump in the deep end and we think they're fearless, but the truth is, and you were just articulate, both of you have articulated this through this entire conversation. It's not about being fearless. It's, it's just about pushing forward anyway, finding ways to push forward anyway. And I think at least I know I was guilty early on of trying to be fearless. And then again, feeling frustrated because I couldn't. And I was like, well, obviously I, I, I should just stay in the shallow end because I can't be fearless. Um, but I've come to realize that that's really a fallacy, that that doesn't exist. It's about pushing through it. Um, you know, you talked about change and can you're in the tech, both of you in the tech space too. What does it mean to you to be an everyday innovator and to drive innovation in a time that is so uncertain and ambiguous and a little bit chaotic still? For me, it's listening. I think listening, reading, understanding on LinkedIn, on, on the different outlets, what are people talking about? What are they doing? And where is there a need that I can help fill that gap, that void, and really responding to that? I think that's the most important thing is during uncertainty, being sure, making sure that it's one, a good time to learn and listen. I always say, if there's a lull in your career or you have extra time, pick up that book you've always been wanting to read or that article or blog that you've you've bookmarked or that podcast that you you keep saying you're going to listen to. It's a great time to listen and, and learn how you can help. Yeah, I love that. For me, it's data. So similarly, you know, reading and gathering the information that helps illuminate the areas that at, at face value, you might think something different, but actually go in and do that check. Like going back to that gut instinct, right? This is part of that data gathering, information gathering to make your decision, letting, letting data drive the decision. So when we're seeing things like the economy right now in the US is being a little bit interesting. There's some changes, there's, there's a war going on, there's um, all kinds of things going on actually. Um, and when we think about the implications to businesses, especially tech, there's CEOs that are coming out blatantly saying, the next two years are going to be a little bit tricky for business to business staffs. You know, we had this crazy year of unicorns, more meaning, you know, billion dollar greater valuation than we've ever had before in the last 18 months. And that's slowing down. The housing market is taking a little bit of a turn, in, at least in California, where I am. 
So in our business where, you know, we're consultants and we rely on companies bringing us in to help, um, you know, educate their people and help um, transform their their daily operational with playbooks and thinking about customer journey mapping workshops, like all these key things, the natural instinct for a lot of leaders and CFOs is to say, we're holding on to what we've got. We're not doing anything right now. Well, the reality of it is what we saw from the great recession, what we saw from even before that, the dot-com boom um, and any other time of economic uncertainty is people go back and sharpen their skills, right? So right now we're fortunate to have understood and had that data to drive our decision-making and where our business is going is thinking about the crucial element of the education services that we provide. And we're seeing that that's, that last year started to like really take off. And Amelia had the intuition to say, you know what, I think really that's going to matter in the next coming years for our space is honing in on how to educate and enable people with these crucial skills. And sure enough, our, our executive coach and the data analysis that we just did last week is absolutely illuminating that. So good. So I can't believe we're almost out of time. What piece of advice do both of you have for everyday innovators of all types out there who are looking to really make, really influence others to make an impact in the world that they play in the way you two have? I, I would say double down on whatever it is you want to do, whether it's if you want to do more marketing, be intentional with it every day, whether it's posting a quick video uh, about whatever it is you're passionate about, just whatever it is, be intentional and set time up a, a, a way every day to do it. Just like exercise, you have to be really intentional if you want to be see transformation and experience it. So I would say really double down and focus. Don't let media and everything else get in the way of your goals because now's the perfect time to just really hone in on it. I love that. Don't let the media, there's so much distraction and fear mongering going on out there that you really got to tune that stuff out. So thank you for, well, you didn't say the fear mongering. I am, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, <laughs> but, uh, but moving those distractions are important. Sabina, what about for you? On a similar tone, I would say trying to suppress FOMO, the fear of missing out, because there is always somebody who's going to be better. There's always going to be something else going on. And to the point about, you know, the constant sensory overload of, you know, there's Slack going off, there's LinkedIn notifications, Twitter notifications. In our business, in, in tech, we have to adopt those tools and use them to our advantage. When there's a high presence and a lot of our leads come from a place like LinkedIn, it's really important that we're posting there every day, not just for the sake of it, but but you know, innovative thought leadership pieces. And that's a lot of pressure. And then the day job, and then all the other aforementioned hats we wear as moms and all the other things. And so there's always this thought at some point at the end of the day, I have to say, you know what, I did the best that I could with what I had today, and I need to be at peace with that. So whatever that person's idea is, whatever um, the the idea, the, the innovation you're trying to drive or the influence you're trying to make, keep your eye on the prize and know it's okay to silence the rest of the noise sometimes. And that there are going to be people that are going to be better than you. There are going to be people that are moving faster, more efficiently than you. And that's okay. You do you. Love it. So my last question for you both is what's one thing we'd be surprised to learn about you, a hobby, a passion and experience. In December of 2021, I earned my black belt in Taekwondo and I still practice today. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Well, I grew up in the Okanagan Valley of British Columbia, where my parents had a pizzeria, and we always grew our own vegetables and fruit for the the restaurant. And when I negotiated with my husband where we were moving when we left San Francisco four years ago, I said, I'll move to Sonoma if I can have some land 
and I can grow my own crops. So uh, we we have so many fruit trees. We have tons of organic vegetables growing almost all year long. And then we used to have chickens, but now we've moved to them to where our horse is stabled uh, so they can have more room to run around because they were eating all our crops. And then soon we'll get two goats. That's our summer project. So I'm in overalls and in dirt when I'm not in tech. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, those are both fascinating and surprising on both of your parts. So thank you for sharing that. Um, I so appreciate having you both on. I'm, I'm so, I'm really impressed by what you've been able to do in your industry, but even more so than that, I think that the mindset that you're coming from of lifting others and being that rising tide that lifts all boats um, I think we need now more than ever in the world that we're in. So thank you both for doing that. I, I just, I appreciate all that. And the insights have been phenomenal. So thank you so much for joining. Thank, thank you for having us tomorrow. Congratulations. By listening to this podcast, you took another step towards becoming an everyday innovator. To leap forward, visit www.gotolaunchstreet.com and take the Innovation Quotient Edge Assessment to discover your unique everyday innovator style and access the Everyday Innovator Digital Magazine for the top tools, insights, and inspiration at your fingertips 24-7. Tomorrow, we'll be back with another Everyday Innovator conversation soon. In the meantime, if you got a nugget of value out of this podcast, let Tamara know by leaving a five-star review and comment. Your review equals more guests, more listens, bigger impact. Until next time.